Hello everybody, welcome to today and welcome to season 3 of Death Valley Girls podcast. I'm Bonnie and I'm recording this in a stairwell, a concrete stairwell of a motel in South Carolina. I think it sounds cool probably for singing, but maybe doesn't sound cool for the podcast, but it's the only quiet place I can find. For Death Valley Girls are on tour. Go check out Death Valley Girls Instagram or Facebook to see if we're going to be in a city near you. Now, back to season three. Each week stars an alien ET contactee, abductee, or experiencer. Most of them are part of a support group called CERO, Close Encounter Research Organization. CERO is run by hero Yvonne Smith from episodes 6 and 59. It is such an honor to get a talk with these people, and I really appreciate you all giving them a safe place to tell their stories. This week's star is Bruce Solheim. His story is amazing and filled me with hope. He is teaching a course at Citrus College this fall called Paranormal Personal History. I'll share the details if you are interested in learning more. I really love this conversation. I'm super excited for y'all to hear it. Now, please welcome to your head and heart, Bruce Solheim. Hi. (laughs) Hello. Um, Thank you so much for coming here onto the podcast. And uh, I've been um, telling everybody so far, I think you might be the last uh, Ciro um, member to interview. There might be one more, but um, uh oh, I have a poodle right here that's. Hold on one second. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, sorry about that. Uh, is that, yeah, is that this uh, is a Heroes podcast where we've been interviewing heroes asking them about the mysteries of the universe and uh Yvonne is a major hero of mine and uh and you know I think something I might not have spoken about but um all of your stories you know we've always been super interested in this topic and people are always asking oh have you had an experience or contact and it's like no and they're like well how do you know it's true and I'm like because I hear the stories and that's all you need to know is these stories. And I just have a huge respect for um, you guys and uh, and you coming on here to tell your story and you finding each other. And I guess I've been uh, I just want to thank you. Um, and uh, well, thank and I'd you like... for inviting. Me. Oh, yeah, for sure. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us your name? Yeah, my name is Bruce Olav Solheim. The middle name is O-L-A-V, so it's Norwegian. I'm Norwegian. Oh, cool. My parents are from northern Norway. And, oh, uh, wow. And I was born in Seattle. And, oh, uh, cool. Yeah, I'm a, well, yeah, I, I teach history at Citrus College, and I also teach a paranormal uh, history course. Wow. One, one of the few in the United States, actually, that... Uh, somehow they allow me to teach a paranormal course. And, uh, but it, it all started, uh, well, I mean, I've had a paranormal life since I was four, but uh, I didn't really start talking about it or writing about it until 2016. So, okay. but before that I had a pretty, you know, I mean, I was uh, in the military for eight years. I was a pilot. I was a jail guard. I, uh, I did all kinds of stuff things. I've been a professor for over 30 years. Uh, I was a defense contractor. I've done all these things, but none of them allowed me to talk about my experiences because you would immediately lose your security clearance or your job or your livelihood. You know, it's not like when I interviewed to be a history professor that they said, okay, do you have any other skills (laughs) to offer? And I would say, oh yeah, I can talk to dead people. (laughs) <laughs> uh, that, that wouldn't fly. So right. I had to keep it to myself. And and it wasn't until 2016 when I decided the time had come. It was a, a miraculous thing that happened that we could talk about. But yeah, anyway. I'd, I'd love yeah. to hear what happened. Uh, what mm-hmm. what changed that? Maybe work back from from that because yeah. that's that's uh, a big change. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because if you look at my publishing uh, before, I've published a lot. I, 12 books, I think mostly academic books, except for since 2016, <laughs> and they've all been okay. paranormal books or comic books. Cause I also 
express myself uh, through comic books, oh, through cool. fiction. Well, supposedly fiction, but fiction right. is truer than nonfiction oftentimes. So uh, I, you know, I, I uh, it was in 2016, my friend, Gene Thorkelson, who is also Norwegian, uh, we're both from Seattle, we grew up together. He passed away, unfortunately, of cancer. So and sorry. it hit me pretty hard. And about a month after he died, he came to me. And this is not unusual. I've had dead people come to me and or I hate to say dead because when I, I saw him in this vision, you know, uh, I said, what's it like to be dead? And he just laughed. And he said, if I was really dead, could I be talking to you? And wow. I said, yeah, I guess you're right. You know, so it's just, it's just another, uh, it's another way of living just in another dimension, you know, that, that kind of thing, which I've been aware of. But anyway, I got, I got caught with that question. He kind of made fun of me, but uh, he, he told me, he said, uh, uh, now's the time for you to start telling uh, your story, what's happened to you. And I said, well, they'll fire me. You know, I, I mean, they'll find a reason to, you know, they'll say you're crazy or whatever. Cause, right. and, and um, if I tell all the experiences I've had, you know, and all the different paranormal experiences, including the alien stuff. And he said, don't be afraid. The time is right. And uh, he even gave me the title of the books that turned out to be my trilogy. I, I just was writing like crazy. I wrote down all everything that's happened to me or almost everything. And uh, that trilogy was called timeless. And he said, call it timeless. And um, because where I am, there's no past, there's no future. Uh, it's just everything happening right now, everything wow. together. And he said, it's timeless. And I said, well, that's a great title. So yeah. I, I always have to give him credit, give Gene credit for that. And he was an actor too. So he would want credit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was very theatrical, very oh, good wow. guy. Yeah. Wow. That's so, that's so cool. And I'm so sorry. Um, but um that's really, really, that's really interesting. And mm -hmm. can I ask one question? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, is when you saw him, um, was he, did he appear the age that he was when he left this dimension or? Um... He, he was younger. Okay. Uh, like, uh, like I remember he was one year older than me in okay. high school. And he was yeah. kind of like my, my big brother, I have a big brother, but he's nine years older. So he was already, you know, long, you know, out, out in the yes. world. And, but Gene was one year older. So through high school, I kind of looked at him as my big brother and protector. And, and so I kind of saw him like that as a younger man, with long, you know, in the seventies, a lot, a lot of long hair. Well, I guess long hair now too, but uh, especially then, you know, and uh, yeah. that's how he looked. He looked like a younger man. And I noticed he wasn't wearing shoes. And I made a point of that. I said, why aren't, why aren't you wearing shoes? He said, I've never liked wearing shoes. Don't you remember? And I said, oh, I guess so. And wow. then he said, besides where I am, we don't need shoes. <laughs> so why wear them? I don't want them. So I yeah. said, okay, that sounds great. <laughs> you can do what you want. He that's, said, basically, yeah. That's so cool. And yeah. um, when you, sorry, another question is when you spoke, is it like speaking or is it telepathic? Uh, they appear when I do see a spirit like that, someone who's passed away. Uh, if I do see, I don't always see them. Sometimes I just hear them or I see symbols or like a film strip or something, you know, an old, like a newsreel or something sometimes, or sometimes I see writing. It's really, it depends on the person, I guess. But I saw him kind of like uh, you would see a holographic image. He kind of appeared like that. Um, but it was a, uh, uh, you know, obviously an intelligent thing because he was responding to me. It was him. I knew yeah. it was him. So he could answer questions and, and uh, ask questions of me. And so that's what it and he sounded like himself. He just appeared in this holographic image to be a, a younger man than, uh, you know, the one year older guy that, you know, because I'm, yeah. I'm 64 and he died when he was, I think, 60. So I think it was 60. No, what was he? That was in 2016. So that was already seven years ago. So he was, yeah, 58 or something, whatever he was. Anyway, he's. Yeah, like, no, it's just. Yeah, it's, he appeared I, like a younger man. He didn't appear to be in his 50s. That's, yeah, <laughs> no, it's way. just interesting because of timeless, timelessness. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, and I guess one thing I'm really curious about, about the, um, I prefer to call it UFO. Uh, Mm -hmm. experience stuff is just um how they have visually changed 
uh, over the years, like how, you know, it used to be ships before there were cars. And then the fifties, mm-hmm. it was these saucers. And then mm-hmm. in the nineties, it was so the triangles, which is like mm-hmm. the jets we had. So I'm just curious how it, what, what, if any connection there is between how we perceive things um, and how they appear to us and all. So I guess I was just curious. No, it's, it's a really good question. Um, And uh, there's, there's a lot of depth to that question and things that I've, that Jean has shared with me, but also another figure in my life, someone that I communicate with when I do my spirit walks, which is a whole other conversation. But uh, I also communicate with uh, someone that uh, is an extraterrestrial named Anzar. So, uh, you know, that was a difficult thing to start telling people about that because I thought, man, if they think I'm nuts for talking to ghosts, what are they going to think when I start telling them I communicate telepathically with an extraterrestrial? It, it, actually, he's an ancient alien mystic. Oh, but, wow. Uh, so they, <laughs> so, but yeah. actually it's gone okay. I mean, yeah, there's always yeah. people, trolls and stuff, but, right. but the idea of what, how these things appear, it's interesting. Uh, I've been told that they, it appears on the way that you would like it to appear to be. Wow. And in other words, you can, in your consciousness, you can manifest it. Like if you want to see a saucer, you'll see a saucer. If you want to see a triangle, if that's familiar to you, if that's what you would expect to see in your consciousness, if that's what you relate to, uh, you know, like in the ancient days or whatever, it would be, or long a time, they'd see like a sailing ship in the sky because they mm. couldn't have imagined a saucer, you know. So I think it's it's whatever reality that will make that that you have a context to. Yeah. And uh, so I've I've seen different, you know, I've I've seen different, uh, you know, images and uh, but the inter- the really interesting thing. I mean, that's the kind of the nuts and bolts thing. But yeah, but actually they can, uh, you know, come in and out of our realm or our our uh, dimension from what I call the quantum world into our our subjective consciousness that we have now. And they can pass through, which is the same thing that ghosts do, spirits do. Okay. So the bottom line is they inhabit the same objective reality, uh, you know, the quantum world, which is the wor- world of subatomic particles where scientists tell us, I'm not a scientist, I'm a historian, but yeah. uh, they tell us that, that that time is immaterial, you know, in, yeah. in that realm. And actually what we're doing right now is an interface and when we have our uh, extra, our you know, communicate with extraterrestrials or see UFOs or see spirits and all that, we're getting a glimpse of that other world, of that uh, that objective reality, of that quantum world. That's what we're peering into, okay. and uh, all of this that we have is is really just an, an interface to what the real reality is, which is where they are. Right. And, uh, so that it's kind of like a computer, like I got a computer right in front of me, maybe you do too. And all those keys and all that, it's all just an interface. We don't actually see the voltages, uh, uh, you know, going on and off that create all the, you know, stuff that we see. So we have an interface that's familiar to us. So, we, you know, whether it's the sh- shape of a cigar or a triangle or whatever, that, that's what we want to imagine it to be. So. And that's oh. what we're comfortable with. So I, I think that's what it is. It's kind of yeah. a long answer to your question. No, I, added, that... I added a couple of other twists and turns. No, in no, I, I really, I thank you. That that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense to me, I think. And it'll make a lot of sense to people because to me, it, do, it does feel like we're sort of limited uh, or the average person is limited in mm-hmm. what we see and experience Um to me of what is actually happening. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't like, um, I, I have uh, moments of like psychic abilities and moments mm-hmm. of, um, you know, I have premonitions, all sorts of things, but I don't, mm-hmm. I, I feel very limited in my abilities, but I feel like that it, it's, it's our 3D earth experience is, mm-hmm. is what's limited in the, and you know, all of these experiences are what's actually just happening all over the place. Uh, so it's cool to hear. Yeah, that computer that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, well, well, you're you know you are you're a musician, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, music. You know, you use what they call the muse. You know, where do these songs come from? Where do the lyrics come from? Where does all all that come from? And that's I think that artists have that connection 
to that objective reality, the quantum reality. And they yeah. pull, you know, there's information there that you might not be consciously aware of, but when you're in the zone, as some people call it, or in the, you know, with the muse or whatever it is, and, and you, you, stuff starts flowing, whether you're writing or you're creating music or whatever, I think it's the same process. Yeah. And people, people who are making works of art, it's the same thing they're tapping into. So it's like, it's, it's all the same thing. You know, and it's that's where the aliens are. That's although they don't. Uh, Anzar tells me they don't like to be called aliens, so I have to oh, clarify that. Okay, He'll, what do they like? Well, he 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 has a sense of humor. He'll say, uh, "Well, how would you like to be called an alien? Look it up in the dictionary." And I looked it up, and I thought, "Okay, I'll look it." Up. It's not very nice, you know. What, it's, what it's, so it it's, Yeah, so it's just like it's it's you know somebody that that is not connected they're from some other place and they're they don't belong you know kind of that kind of thing and i thought he says hey we're we're star brothers and sisters and then i thought about it and i think that's what the aborigines say that's what the native americans say and in many ways they're more in touch with this objective reality the quantum reality than we are as modern people living in condos and little you know our little square houses and stuff that we live in where they live on the land and, in you know, in a much more natural setting, which is what, when we were, when we were indigenous, because we're all from the same family, you know, and the same star family. And, uh, you know, we all had those abilities that you were talking about and they were well-tuned, but then they're kind of taught, you know, taken away from us by uh, institutions, by governments, by, you know, different, not all religions, but certain religions, you know, they, they tell, oh, you can't do that. That's evil. And, uh, and, uh, you know, school, like I remember going to school and uh, telling the teacher and everybody about my, my, uh, my playmates. And they said, oh, who are your playmates? Uh, I wasn't very creative with names at the time, but I said, John and Johnny, and Johnny's a little (laughs) kid and John's an older man. And they're always with me playing. Oh, where do they live? Oh, they just they just come and go, you know, they just disappear and appear. And they said, that doesn't sound real. And I said, no, they're real. I play with them. I talk to them. No, no, there's something wrong. You can't you can't say that. That's they sound like imaginary people. And I said, no, they're real. And then I told my mom and she said, uh, well, maybe you better not tell everybody what's going on. But she didn't discourage it um, with her because she was very psychic. You know, we would practice reading cards you know reading you know doing telepathy she would oh, cool. practice with me yeah but she said she said just be careful there's some people that won't accept it and they'll treat you badly so you got to be careful yeah uh, and i so i learned that quickly that well i learned that it was natural and i think that all kids have it everybody has it it's just it's dormant in so many people because they've been taught not to use it for whatever reason and yeah. and i think that's to our own detriment and, yeah. uh, and that's one thing that artists are able to do is open themselves up and let it flow into you. Yeah. Uh, well, we, and, yeah. yeah, totally. I think this experience feels more like um, remembering mm-hmm. than, um, than discovering, I guess, mm-hmm. as I move along and learn mm-hmm. more, it's, it's more of, yeah, remembering mm-hmm. where we come from rather than like you know if that makes sense but um... no it does they the ancient people knew and what what we need to do as far as i understand what anzar tells me is that we're in this era of of uh of reintegration where we're taking the wisdom of the ancient people remembering it as you said i like that word and then integrating that with modern technology in, in and and forming this you know, this human society that'll take the next evolutionary leap. But the problem is there's so many people fighting against it and not just people, but they're entities that are fighting against it too. And that's why there's so much conflict. And um, I know I'm kind of getting into the weeds here, but anyway. That, no, not it, at all. I, this is, I'm really. Just, this yeah, is... it's, it, we do have to remember who we really are as natural people. And I tell my students, my history students, I tell them, find a sacred place wherever that is and you don't have to i said it's not new agey or anything like that it's just real you know go like i go to northern norway to the island where my ancestors are from i mean we go back you know to the viking age there's a viking burial ground behind my house in norway that we my brother and i still own the property the farm there and i go stand on that ground and i feel connected i feel like i don't feel connected in la you know i mean some people might you know 
maybe indigenous people, but that's my indigenous place. And I said, if you can find a place like that and get connected and get grounded, you'll remember who you are. I like the word you say, remember, because it's there. We just have to remember it. And yeah. genetically, I mean, it's in our genetics. You know, yeah. if we can just remember these skills that we have. And in the paranormal class, one of the tests we do is um, I have I do a uh, can you tell if somebody's staring at you test? You know how people always say, oh, somebody's staring at me. You turn around, sure enough, somebody's staring at you. Well, yeah. we do that test. And we find that in most cases, greater than chance, people know when somebody's looking at the back of their head. Wow. So that, and I tell them for skeptics, I say, how is that even possible? Do you have yeah. eyes in the back of your head? No. Well, then how do you do it? I don't know. It's just a coincidence. And I said, well, it would be coincidence if it was like 50-50 over yeah. many chances. But what if it's like 80% of the time people know or 75%? That's greater yeah. than chance. Yeah. So that must indicate something paranormal, something we don't quite understand how that works. Yeah. So it's a very simple test, but almost anybody can do it. You don't need fancy equipment or anything. You That's know. really cool. I want to take yeah. your class. <laughs> that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds amazing. Um, and I guess, uh, do you... Um, you said that your mom um, is or was psychic. Um, yeah. And uh, do you mind talking about like your first memories of, uh, I, I think it's super cool to have someone that's supportive of um, that type of thing. But uh, can you talk about your first memories of, you know, you might not have known that it was other people weren't seeing those things, but your first memories of sort of supernatural paranormal things happening in your life? Yeah, when the 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 door opened, uh, I was four. I was in northern Norway. We were visiting my grandmother, who was my dad's mom. We were living in her house, this old farmhouse, which my brother and I still own. And uh, it, no, nobody lives there except the ghosts. There's a lot of ghosts there. But anyway, <laughs> the uh, I was very sick. I got very sick. And there's no hospitals on that island. It's so remote, 200 miles above the Arctic Circle. It's wow. beautiful, but very remote. It hasn't changed much since... You know, I was four years old when I visited, but uh, the uh, uh, I got really sick and they thought I was going to die. And I, my grandmother had this little bed in the kitchen. She was kind of small and she would just take a, a nap in the kitchen. That That's the way it is in farmhouses. You know, you take yeah. a little nap because she had these stairs. She'd have to go up and she right. had a bad, bad leg. So she'd rather just take a nap in the kitchen. But anyway, I was lying down there and I was crying and I was sick and I couldn't move my head. I was like, I couldn't move my arms or my legs I was stiff and and like our relatives were coming over and saying oh this is what happened to uh you know your cousin when he got polio you know and they were just scaring scaring me and scaring my mother <laughs> and my mother was praying and you know hoping that things would work out and I I was crying I cried myself to sleep and then I woke up and everybody was out of the kitchen and when I woke up there was this bright shining warm light above me in the ceiling and there was nobody else in the kitchen it's just me in this light and I didn't see a face or anything, but the impression I got is that it, it was uh, alive and it was there to help me. And I took away all my fear and all my pain and I fell asleep. And when I woke up in the morning, everything was fine. I, wow. I didn't have a fever. I could move all my limbs. I was jumping around like a regular kid. And, and I told my, my mom what, you know, about this light. And she said, yeah. that, was your, that was your guardian angel. And that's what my wow. grandmother said too. And I believed it. I said, okay, I just accepted. That's what it was. And it was a healing. So that was my That's first so memory. Cool. Wow. And, uh, and from that point on, it just, what happens, what, what Gene reminds me of is that every time I talk to him is that experience is believing and believing is experience, you know? So when something like that happens, you can't say it's something else. It actually happened to you. Yeah. And then, so you believe that aspect of, of things, you know, that is possible. And then something else happens and then you add to that experience to that belief system and right. then once you believe it then it makes it easier to uh engage other experiences it just comes right. to you you're like yeah. a magnet for them and yeah. uh, or one person that interviewed me once said you're kind of like a lightning rod for the paranormal and i guess that's kind of what it is once you start receiving it you can't stop receiving it right. and, and which is both a a, a good thing and cannot be a good thing. So yeah. <laughs> people who tell me they want to be more psychic or whatever, the first thing I tell them is that you have to learn how to turn it off. Yeah. Before you learn how to turn it, before you can manage it, to manage it, you got to learn how to turn it off. Because if not, you run the risk uh, of not coming back. 
Yeah, well, I think... And, and that happens to people who are, you know, I asked a psychiatrist once, I said, uh, does, is it possible that people that are schizophrenic, some of them might be extremely psychic? I mean, yeah. like really super psychic. And he looked at me kind of terrified and he said, that's, that's a terrifying thought. And I, and I said, well, I don't know for sure. I, I can't test it. But I'm just saying, if you don't know how to come back to, to this interface that we're in right now, if you can't come back, then you may, you're going to appear to be mad. You're going to yeah. appear to be great. You know, like you're talking to people that are all around and that other people can't see. And uh, so that's the danger. You got to learn how to turn it off. And that, I guess the first way I noticed that was when I went to big groupings of, you know, like a party or whatever, a lot of people, I, I couldn't stand it. I would have yeah. to go in a corner. I'd have to go hide somewhere because it's not that I could read their minds, but I could read their intentions. And that's almost worse yeah. because I could feel their feelings. I could feel like if they wanted revenge or they were angry or they were, you know, they wanted to hurt somebody. They wanted to get something from somebody. It's a lot of that negative stuff. I mean, I could also feel the good stuff too, but it's all like a right. big, you know, and mess. Have you and learned to develop like coping mechanisms for big groups or do you avoid it still i i i sometimes avoid if i feel like <laughs> i'm susceptible i can't protect myself i do some protection you know there's different ways to do it whatever your tradition is some people wear amulets some people wear rings or bracelets some people do prayers and i do kind of a combination of things and i just say uh kind of like uh if you have a store you know you have a sign that says open or closed i'll put the closed sign up you know like, i'll say like in my mind okay I, I don't mind talking to you spirits, but I can't do it right now. I don't want it. I don't want this right now. I'm going to turn off this radar dish that's over my head. I'm going to pack it away and I'm not going to be receiving anything. And I'm just going to ignore everything until I'm out of that situation. And then, and then later I can, you know, open it up again if I want to. Um, so I was asking you about, um, about, yeah. Uh, how, how you grown to manage uh being in um crowded places because that's something um i have a real big problem with uh yeah. for the same sort of reason but not um uh an awareness of that's the reason it just uh i can feel um discomfort and people mm -hmm. and feel mm -hmm. sadness and i i'm i guess i'm just real um sensitive to it. I, I really don't yeah. want people to feel uncomfortable and sad. So yeah, no. can you, yeah, what do well, you- Well, it, it sounds like you're you're very much an empath. You know, you feel things very deeply and most artists do. And I can tell you one mechanism that I had even before I knew really how to do anything, I had to do it to survive. When I worked in a prison, yeah. I, formed, I formed a bubble. I, I envisioned an impenetrable bubble around myself. Yeah. So I wouldn't feel all the pain and all the oh, so much despair and pain yeah. and guilt and all that stuff going on there. And uh, people who've done horrible things. I mean, I've guarded mass murderers and oh you know, all this terrible stuff. And I just have to protect myself. And so you can envision that or or just avoid those situations if you can. But sometimes you can't. So then you just have to um, tune it out, you know, put that radar dish away, you know, physically kind of feel that you know that you're putting your sensitivity on hold for a while it's not yeah. that you're getting rid of it or you're purging yeah. yourself of your abilities you're just saying i'm just not open for business right now <laughs> yeah i'm just i'm just a cool customer right now <laughs> you know, i'm gonna i'm gonna be really just cool about everything and then as soon as it's over whew, man yeah okay, I, I made it through and that's uh it's kind of what you do to get over um stage fright you know when you perform uh, everybody gets it one time or another. Uh, and, or like when I started teaching in yeah. front of, I had a, my first class had 85 students in it. I didn't know what I was doing because yeah. when you're a professor, you don't take any education classes. They don't teach you how to teach. Right. They just, you know, history. So go teach. Okay. Right, right, right. But there's like a whole art to it. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like music, the performance too. It's very, you know, you can, you might be proficient in playing all the notes, the chords, you know, the song, you know, the lyrics, then you get out there in front of a crowd and you got, oh, I got to connect to all these people too. Yeah. And all of them are things. So you got to 
it's like you have a different persona or something. Right. So it's and, similar. It's like growing or yeah. working on like a muscle or something. Yeah. Like you, can... you feel the room, you know, you get a feel for the room, whatever people, you know, they use a lot of terminology. The way, the way I look at it is that they're all just one person because anybody can talk usually to one person. So I look like, Oh, if I see a crowd, if we're performing, I just, I'll see the crowd. They're just one person. And yeah. I can talk to one person. I'm comfortable with that. I don't have to sit there and individually, okay, that person's sad, that person's happy, that person's angry, this person, you know, just everybody's okay. And they're just there to enjoy the music. And if they're not, then I just, I'm just thinking of the, the good stuff, you know, and I have to do the same with my students too. Otherwise I feel like, oh, they're judging me. They're doing this, they're doing that. Well, maybe they are, but I don't have to feel that if I choose not to. So that, that's wow. why I think uh, the, the greatest fear that people have is the fear of death. And the second greatest fear is fear of public speaking, yeah. which would include public singing too. I would <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I have a huge fear of public speaking, which is funny. I, I yeah. just, I completely melt like away, yeah. but wow. So how old were you when you worked in a prison? Um, and how did you find yourself with that job? Yeah. When I first, when I first joined the army at age 20, uh, I worked in a military prison in Germany when it was East and West Germany. Wow. And, uh, and then I, I was in the reserves for a while. And then I went back in, and I went to flight school. So I learned how to fly helicopters. So I was doing wow. that. And then uh, in between those two times, when I was in the reserves, I also worked at a maximum security prison. So I did, I probably worked for about three and a half years in some kind of prison setting. So I learned a lot. And, uh, it, it was a terrible experience for a sensitive person. And yeah. what's really weird, I had a couple of prisoners, one military prisoner and one maximum security prisoner that came up to me and they said, you know what? You, you shouldn't work in a place like this. You're, you're, you're a nice guy. You shouldn't work here. And, mm -hmm. and I just said, oh, okay, thanks. You know, but I didn't want to show any emotion or anything. It's like, wow, that's really nice of you to say that. It's because yeah. you can't do that. You can't show any kind of, yeah. you know, uh, even though you try to be a human being, you just have to be this kind of like a robot or something. And, and, uh, but they were right, you know, they were right. Yeah. It wasn't the place for me, but it, it taught me how to be pretty tough and deal with adversity. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I almost died a couple of times, uh, oh you know, God. being attacked. So I, I know what that's like. I know how to survive. And, but it, 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 it does cause problems later on down the road. I had, I had, traumatic experiences. So I had to, I developed PTSD and then I had to overcome that. And then, I'm so sorry. you know, so, I'll, and, and my, my daughter reminds me, she's an, uh, in nursing school and I'll, uh, I'll say something like, okay, now you got to be careful here and here. And she said, dad, you don't work in a prison anymore. You're, <laughs> you're okay. We're safe right now. And, I, and I'll go, you're right. You're right, sweetheart. We, we, I don't work in a prison anymore. Isn't that good? That's great that I don't work in a prison. Yeah. Well, your body so, remembers yeah. what you've done. That's, that's yeah. really incredible. Um, and, and you're a pilot. That's yeah. And actually my, my current wife, she's a, she's a helicopter pilot too. She's one of the, there are very few female helicopter pilots in the world. And she's not only a female helicopter pilot, she is a flight instructor too. Wow. So there's very few of them. And, and she's worked for like the police and the news and she did tours in Hawaii. And uh, she's, yeah, she's just a remarkable so cool. person. And I'm, I, and it's funny because she's really small and I'm really big. It's like, we're, we're this mismatch, but we're not. Yeah, no, that's wild. <laughs> I, yeah, I, can't really imagine um what it takes for someone I don't, it's not even confidence but to uh, it's almost like a different type of species to be like i want to take this super expensive thing into the sky uh yeah. and bring it you know i just there it never in my wildest dreams would i even think someone would let me uh learn how to fly helicopters. I think that yeah. that's so cool. That's a really, I, I've always been uh, super fascinated by people that uh, love flying things. It's just, it's never, I don't know what it is, but I'm like a land dwelling person. No, for that, sure. and that's, that's fine too. I, I, <laughs> uh, I, uh, it came at an early age, you know, I grew up during the, uh, when we were the, you know, the uh, lunar program, 
So I was yeah. really caught up in NASA and I wanted to be an astronaut. Well, every kid wanted to be an astronaut, but uh, I never became an astronaut, but I did become a pilot. So I kind of like, you know, you got in the right direction because all yeah. the, most of the astronauts were pilots, you know, so, yeah. uh, but, so I did get to fulfill that dream and it is connected to my first uh, extraterrestrial experience where yeah. I was shown a, uh, a craft, the inside of a craft in a holographic image. And uh, uh, I didn't know who it was at the time, but now I know that was my first contact with Anzar, this ancient uh, extraterrestrial. And he had, he was actually, he saved me. It was kind of a rescue kind of thing. Uh, and uh, me and other children too, because there was a predator in our neighborhood, a sexual predator. Oh, no. And uh, he warned me, he, he came to me and warned me, don't go to that house. I knew the guy was weird. You know, even kids know there's something wrong when adults yeah. act like children. It's like, wait a second. You're just not a goofy person. You're, there's something weird about you. And I, and, and uh, I didn't get abused or anything, but uh, because there was an intervention and when I first saw Ansar, I thought he was a monster. And I, <laughs> and I said, you look like a monster. And, and he, he said, the real monster is that man in that house above your house, that neighbor. Wow. He's the mon he's the real monster. I might look like one, but I'm not. I'm here yeah. to tell you that you should not go there anymore. And I said, well, what am I going to tell my parents? Because I was supposed to go up there. They were supposed to babysit me or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, don't worry. Uh, just tell your mom you don't want to go there. She will understand. And she did. She never made me go up there again. I never had to explain it or because I didn't really understand it anyway. I understand it now that I think back, you know, what that guy was doing. And actually it was yeah. confirmed later by my brother that he had been arrested and everything. Oh, so wow. you know, it was confirmed. So he did get caught eventually, but um, I don't know if he went to jail, but I didn't follow yeah. it up. But well, anyway, so th that was my first encounter. And he showed me in, in a hologram, you know, in the back, I remember it was, I saw the hologram in the backyard of my house and there he was. And, there was the inside of this ship and he was showing me there were no control surfaces. It was just kind of round and it was beautiful. It was kind of golden. It was glowing. And, and, and I said, I would like to fly in that. And he said, you will fly someday. So he Whoa, told me that. that's so and, cool. And I did. And so that was, yeah, that was really cool. You've known yeah. him almost for your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's, uh, he's been around, uh, intervened a few times. Uh, and then my, my first real, uh, you know, where I understood what he was saying and understood what was going on was 1997 when he came to me and I call it a vision, but it's, um, it's kind of like what happened with Gene. You know, I, I just see a, an image of him. And in this uh, instance, uh, he was in, like revolving in space, you know, and he, he, he was just kind of like very calm and, and he just, he told me, how the universe works, you know, about how, you know, that uh, the black holes, what comes out on the other side is another dimension, you know, it goes from one dimension into the other, into another parallel universe or whatever. He was explaining all this stuff to me and he explained stuff. It almost sounded like a Zen master, you know, to me yeah. when I, now that I've, you know, studied all kinds of different religions that, you know, cause he was saying there, there can't, there can't be any good without evil. You know I mean? There has to be, both that balance the yin yang you know and uh and and i asked who he was and he said he at that point he didn't say his name was anzar he said he was the progenitor okay and that's a very unusual yeah word that's not like something you just you know like <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm a i'm a you know an accountant or something you know? it's <laughs> like i am the progenitor and then what I, does that I, word mean it means the the one that started everything wow i didn't write that down yeah the progenitor wow. And, uh, and then later, uh, when I started after Gene told me to, it was okay. I started doing these spirit walks and then I, I asked to connect with the progenitor and there he was again. And he said, you're ready now. And I said, yeah. And I said, well, do you have a name other than the progenitor? That's a pretty cool name, but do you have like a more, you know, like a familiar name, you know, yeah, less yeah. formal name. And he said, uh, Anzar, A-N-Z-A-R. And, uh, and I looked it up and I, you know, and well, okay, I got to back up. These spirit walks, I decided to start doing them because all these paranormal things that happened to me, they all happened randomly, but frequently. 
Okay. I didn't have any management over. I didn't know how to turn it on and turn it off effectively. So I had to, I did a lot of research to learn how to do that. And then I practiced and I, I have uh, some spirit guides that help protect me. I kind of look at them as like a bouncer at a bar, okay. you know, at a, at a seedy bar, you know, you got to have a bouncer. <laughs> so they kind of keep the spirits that are not, not, not necessarily, you know, not necessarily malevolent, but just annoying because otherwise right. you're just bombarded. As soon as any, anybody, any spirit in the other world sees that you can make a connection, they like rush the door. They want okay. in, you know, because, hey, yeah. listen to me, listen to me. You can't have that. Otherwise, you know, you just can't hear anything or see anything. So you have to have somebody to kind of check the ID at the door or whatever. <laughs> and I just say, okay, I want to talk to Anzar. I want to talk to Gene. I want to talk to my parents. I want to talk to this person or that person. Because sometimes I get requests from friends of mine, you know, hey, can you contact this person? Yeah. I, I don't do it for money. I just do it for a favor for friends and stuff. And yeah. And I, or, or people that I meet and uh, that are in need. And yeah. um, I'm, so I'm that's, so, yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I guess no, I ahead. just, I must know is, uh, do you, do you think Anzar, um, to somebody else might just feel like a spirit guide or is it very clear that this is a different type of entity altogether? He, yeah, well, this is where it gets really complicated. He told me he was the progenitor, which means okay. he was, he was the one who started things. So he was one of the first contacts for what would become human beings. Cause I okay. think it's pretty clear if you look at the bloodlines, like, uh, if you look at why are there people, they're only like, uh, uh, what is it? Only like 12 or 14% of the people in the world are RH negative blood, you know, Reese's, you know, negative blood. Why is that? Uh, I have a negative blood. My mom had a uh, O negative. It seems to be that people with negative blood tend to be very psychic, not necessarily only people with negative blood, but uh, you know, why is that? And so I think that it, what it was is some kind of genetic mutation. And oh, wow. my theory is that, and what Ansar has said is that they, they started, you know, making who we are, you know, wow. that, that they, they started working with us and uh, they gave us, uh, you know, different things like, um, well, for one thing, language, you know, yeah. computation, computational ability. Uh, linguists can't really understand how that happened. Did, was it just spontaneous or was there something? I, there was a nudge and Ansar would call it a nudge, uh -huh. just like he's nudging us now to take this leap of consciousness, not a leap of faith, but a leap of consciousness so that we can survive. Because if we yeah. don't do it, we, we're going to destroy everything. You know, it's yeah because it, we're getting too powerful without, uh, it's like a child with a, with a, a weapon, you know, right. we, we don't know what we're doing and well, uh we we need to we need to learn how to control ourselves and and anyway so that yeah, yeah that's what it's all about is well, it comes down to that yeah and i'm sorry uh in mm -hmm. in this in that way i guess um a couple questions is one is um what how how does he want or expect us um to to like raise consciousness or you know like i mean mm -hmm. it seems like the people that want to are and it mm -hmm. seems like the uh, you know like what is he how what can we do to help you know what i mean <laughs> like well well believe it or not what you're doing right now is helping okay. because <laughs> and, you know when you talk to people when you do your podcast and more people you talk to the more you get it out there the more people hear about it the more normalized and I don't like to use that word so much but that yeah. you know that it becomes that people say oh okay well you know because now you know people are using the term UAP I guess that's acceptable I like to use UFO too because that's yeah. what I'm used to and it's just a government <laughs> thing but you know they yeah. okay they're gonna they're gonna make it sound like it's not what it is but it is what it is I mean UAP UFO it's the same thing right yeah so they're trying to normalize that so then the next leap will be when the suddenly this the web space telescope is going to find some civilization okay or proof of a, of a civilization and then they'll go okay we found it through conventional means we saw it right. through the, uh, the space telescope oh well what about all these experiencers all these people that have been communicating with alien all the people that have seen ufos 
oh, well, I guess they're not crazy. I guess, you know, they <laughs> did. But, you know, that that's how the disclosure, the government would like to handle the disclosure right. is kind of managed disclosure. Right. Whereas to back to your question, what Anzar says we need is a revelation, not disclosure. Disclosure is other directed. It's like, I'm going to wait here patiently for you to tell me what the truth is. Yeah. Government, government, tell yeah. me. <laughs> well, you know, okay, maybe some are responsible, some are not, but it's really up to us. The revelation comes from within. It's you realizing, hey, I'm connected to these ancient people. And these yeah. ancient people are, as my friend Gene says, aliens, what yeah. we would call aliens or star people. You know, in other yeah. words, as Gene says, we are the aliens. Yeah, that's who we are. That's why we're brothers and sisters. We're connected to them. They're just coming to us to help us, you know, to to rise up to the next level so we can survive. Yeah. And 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 the way we do that is to realize how connected we are and uh and, and that comes from revelation, from realizing it from in, internally. You know, some people would say, oh, that's like an epiphany. People have an epiphany. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, you know, Eureka, I found it or I <laughs> now I get it. You know, yeah, it's like everything's clicking now and that and that's what it takes. It has to come from within. Yeah. And and, and that's what uh, uh, this leap of of uh, not a leap of faith, but a leap of consciousness. Yeah. Will, will, and it, and it is occurring and people are doing it, but there's resistance to it. There's always resistance. You know, the, my definition of history is forces for change and forces against change over time. That's yeah. basically what history is, is these forces. And these forces could be anything. It, it could be alien disclosure. It could be revelation. It could be science and technology. It could be some spiritual thing. It could be uh, you know, disease or illness or volcanoes or what, I mean, there's all kinds of forces yeah. in history, but uh, you know, there's resistance and then there's, and, and eventually it moves forward Yeah. and that, and that's what's happening. So I'm encouraged, but I'm also not uh, naive that there's not going to be further resistance. And there, right. are, there are those that, um, that would like uh, this not to happen. That in in fact they feed off of chaos and conflict. You like know, that's, humans or other, other humans and other entities. There's you know in my travels I've encountered some pretty bad things, and uh, they feast off of that. I mean, and they feast off of misery. You know, misery loves company. If you're miserable, yeah. you want everybody to be miserable, and that's the way some of these entities are. And I I'm very careful with that stuff. You know, I people ask me, you know, they'll say, okay, you're pretty psychic. Uh, can you go this house? We think it has a demon in it. Can you go in there and check it out? I'll go. No, I'm not going to go yeah. in there. I believe you. Yeah, yeah I know yeah. they exist. I am not yeah. going anywhere near that house. Yeah, nowhere no, near. Yeah. I know they're there. You know, I'm not going to go in there. I'm not a, a you know, a, a whatever, an exorcist or something. Let an yeah, expert. Yeah. I know yeah. I have a friend who is an exorcist, but you know that that let them handle it. They're professional. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, I do other things, but I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. I think, and also what just what you were saying before about uh, creating the bubble for yourself that that mm -hmm. is exactly it's cool that you intuitively knew mm -hmm. uh, how to protect yourself, and it's cool that yeah, you know what you can handle and what you don't want to handle. I guess, um, yeah. and. Does uh, Anzar, um, does he come from somewhere or is he, uh, and as far as that, is there like a star system or something that yeah. he. From the Orion system. And I've always been attracted to Orion. I know it's one oh, of the cool. most prominent uh, constellations, but I've always, my whole life, I spot Orion immediately when it's, when it's in the sky. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and I'm uh, drawn to, um, to Rigel. And okay. Rigel is a trinary star system. It's actually three stars or maybe more. We're not quite sure. But uh, he says that's where his origin is from. And oh. uh, that's where um, the, uh, uh, according to some, you know, some people claim to know, oh, aliens are from different areas. So currently, supposedly, uh, these reptilian aliens are inhabiting that area. But before there were these, these Nordic types, these tall types, which is basically what Anzar is. He's very, very tall. Okay. And, and he's, he's, but they moved from there to another location because uh, there was some big 
conflict or whatever. And I'm not an expert on that, but that's where he tells me he's from. Yeah. And then he says he's of mixed origins too. He's not just one particular okay. thing, which actually all of us are. And uh, so that that's where he is from. So I've always been drawn to that still to this day. You know, that's I'm so drawn cool. to that. Yeah, my and, best friend, that's her favorite too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Rigel's the, if you're looking at Rigel, you know, the uh, Ryan's belt, right? Yeah. And if you go to the lower right corner, Rigel's that star cluster there in the lower right corner, kind of his left foot. That's guess, super cool. Yeah, that's Rigel. So just say hi to Anzar. Okay, yeah. And you see Rigel. <laughs> yeah, and I guess, do you... Um, sorry, I can, I feel like I could talk to you forever, but I, I promise mm-hmm. I won't. But... uh do you feel like um, that this was uh, like pre predestined for you to have this life that, or like that you had some a soul contract before you came, or what's your feeling on uh, that? Yes, well, soul contract—that's a very interesting phrase you just you just spun out there really quick. I <laughs> uh, don't underestimate yourself. You have a deep understanding of this stuff. I can tell. <laughs> Thank <But> you. <laughs> I think uh, you're very modest about it, but you do have a deep understanding. <laughs> Thank I you. I think you know a lot more than you're letting on to know. <laughs> but, uh, and that's cool. Uh, the, uh, um, how do I put this simply? Uh, I just figured this out recently. He's tried oh, to cool. tell me, you know, Anzar has said, I'll say it really quick. Anzar told me an aspect of him is an aspect of me. Whoa. And and what I figured out now is that uh, we're we're one in the same that we're in a line, you know. And he said that's what he first said to me in 1997. You're you're in a long line of seers. He used the word seer, which is kind of wow. like a, you know. So cool. you know, I am connected to him. So he's both. This is really mind blowing. But he's both in what we would consider the past and the future, and I'm yeah. somewhere in between, and we're all connected. So when I communicate with him, I'm communicating with him, both the past, the present and and, and the future. Yeah. So that's why he can kind of fill me in on certain things. Like before the pandemic, he gave me some clues about this, the, the series of things that was going to happen. So I was prepared and and uh, and Ginger, my, my wife, Ginger, was very prepared. So we were prepared as best we could be. And uh so, but I always tell him, okay, can you tell me what's going to happen? And he said, well, there's too many variables, but I can help you prepare for yeah. possible outcomes. And, uh, and, pre- and he said, uh, predictions can be wrong, but preparations are never wrong. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty good advice. So you can, you can prepare for certain things, but you never know exactly how something's going to, going to happen. But sometimes it's exactly what he kind of warns me of. Yeah. And, uh, and it's kind of frightening sometimes how that happens, but but not all the time. Which brings me to the idea of a psychic. Why I don't take any money for doing psychic stuff because I've made that decision because I know I'm not right all the time. I sometimes I get mixed up. What is going on? Are what am I hearing? What am I? How is it lost in translation? So I don't want to take people's money, and I only do it for a favor for people. Uh, but there are people who do it and are very very good uh, for a living, and I don't you know, begrudge them a living. But also I know that nobody's hundred percent accurate. And if somebody pays money, they expect hundred percent accuracy and nobody can give you that. Yeah. And, and people should be aware of that, that, uh, and there, and there are also people who are what I would call a charlatan, you know, people that <laughs> they're very good at reading emotions and, and, you know, more of this realm kind of stuff, you know, like yeah. ask leading questions and then they'll, Oh, that's amazing that you knew that. Well, you already told them kind of more or less. So that, right. you know, so there's kind of that, that kind of carnival trickery going on. Yeah. Too. People are very manipulative. Some, and, and they're also psychic. So they're, they're filling in the blanks right. that, where they can't get all the psychic information. They're filling it yeah. in with the more physical stuff. And, uh, and I know that happens too. And I don't want to be part of that. I just want to, I tell people if they want me to do them a favor and connect to somebody in the spirit world, I'll say, yeah, I'll do it. But realize there's not always a good connection. Sometimes it's like an old radio. Sometimes you get the station, sometimes you don't quite get it. And it yeah. might be in a in a language you're not really familiar with or it takes a lot to yeah. try to understand it. So yeah. but you do the best you can and, and it's amazing that you get anything. That's what I always tell them if they say, well right. you got my relative's birth date right, but you got the color of their hair wrong. Okay, well that's still pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it like, is. You know oh, so. yeah. 
I guess I'm so sorry. One question and yeah. and I will let you go. Maybe yeah. two more. But uh okay. did you um just a question I've been asking everyone is did did you how did you find Ciro? Yeah, that's through uh, uh, Terry Lovelace, my friend. Okay. Uh, we were on a radio show one after the other, and we just became friends. And he, I was amazed by his experiences. And that's right about when I decided I was going to be writing not only about my ghost experiences and spirit experiences, but also the deeper level uh, uh, UFO and, and uh, uh, ET kind of stuff, you know, alien okay. stuff, because... I didn't I didn't want to go all the way in because I thought people if they, you know, anyway, I just I wanted to kind of go slow. You know? yeah, so scary. He, <laughs> he convinced me, you know, that it was yeah. OK. And then if I wanted to, I should talk to this lady. Yeah. Uh, and Yvonne. And he said she's great. And but he had never had a, a reading with her or not a reading, but uh, a, uh, yeah. a, hypnotherapy. a hypnotic session. Yeah. So, but he said, she's really highly recommended and she's in this group called Ciro. So that's, I contacted her. I did some uh, regression therapy oh, things. Oh, okay, you did? Yeah, I've done about three or four of them. And the wow. most recent one, I actually sent you by email. I sent you an artist's rendering of the remarkable thing that I, uh, a vision that I had, a very startling vision. Oh, uh, cool. I, I did a regression and um, this vision I had an artist depict it for me, and it's it's an incredible illustration. What it illustrates um, what happened, and it's a whole other story. I, I yeah, can't go into, that's but, okay. But I uh, sent it to you so you can yeah. see. Yeah, can I share that when I share this post? Yeah. Okay. And, cool. And just just to say what it is, it's uh, you know how you hear these people who have uh, hybrid children, and it's it's all it seems to be always a woman talking about it, right? Oh, yes. I have a hybrid child. And I myself was skeptical. And that's terrible for me. I'm in a, I'm being honest. I said, how could that be? Are you sure? You know, and then Gene, when I talked to Gene about it in my <laughs> spirit, yeah. day, he'd say, why is it a person like you who's had all these remarkable experiences? You're skeptical about more incredible experiences. Don't you think that there's a possibility that could also be true? Yeah. And I said, you know, you're right. Why am I? Why am I? you know, drawing these boundaries, you know? Yeah. And so, and then uh, I had this remarkable vision of me with these four hybrid children. And they're like, anyway, you'll see in the picture, they're, they're uh, gasping for breath and I'm trying to help them. And there's these three aliens there, they, what they look, you know, tall aliens. Uh, and uh, they're telling me that I need to save the children. And, uh, Wow. I, I write about it. There's a serial book coming out by Yvonne and I tell the whole story. But anyway, oh, cool. that's what the that's what the picture is. Uh, the illustration is about. And it's pretty startling when you see it. You'll it kind of tells the story. But now yeah. you kind of got the background to it. Yeah. And, no, uh, yeah. But not they, very many men talk about it. there are a couple. I, I asked Yvonne, why aren't there more men talking about alien hybrid children kind of story? Oh, she said there's plenty that have had those experiences, but none of them want to talk. Yeah, well, this you're the first one so far for me. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, at this point, I've gone pretty far. So I'll just go all the way. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I, you know, I'll just I'll just tell it like it is that in people can, you know, they can take it in or they can explore it or they can reject it, whatever. It, it, it doesn't matter because I've done my job. It's my job to report everything that's happened to me. So yeah, and, uh, well, it, and it encourage will... others to do the same. Yeah, definitely will help someone. I think yeah. it makes me so sad to think of what people, you know, have had to go through. And just before Ciro yeah. or any of these support groups, it's just, it's just, uh, it's too much. But I will, uh, I would like to ask you now, as I've kept mm -hmm. you here for so long, is uh, do you have anything coming up or anything you would like to share with everyone before you go? Yeah, uh, well, two things. One is the I teach a paranormal class starting in the fall. It's a uh, it's an in person class at Citrus College in Glendora, California. But I'm trying to figure out a way to connect people who are in other locations. Maybe we can have a night where I bring them in. You know, kind of uh, we could do a Zoom thing and have meet meet the whole class or whatever. That would be fun. That and uh, so, so cool. that that's starting September 19th. And we're going to have guest speakers and stuff. So anybody in the Southern California area, uh, area might be, you know, able to come to that class. And uh, 
And the other thing is something that uh, Anzar and Jean and everybody always tells me every single time I talk to them, and I've become a mantra for me, and that's I, I always say, and I tell my students now, my history students, during the, and when I close out a class, I say always, always keep love in your heart and operate from a position of love and, uh, and make good things happen as you make history each and every day. That's so That's cool. Thank you so much for coming here. I'm so happy to meet you and talk to you. Thank you. You're a very nice, sweet person and very, <laughs> very insightful person. You, uh, you understand a lot of things. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for coming here. I hope to see you soon. Yes. Okay, bye. Bye.